Well, again, good morning to you all, and it's good again to, to be with you this morning. Uh, today we continue a series we started last week, if you were here with us for our uh, unified service outdoors last week. Um, uh, the series is Chasing the Wind, and the big idea of this series is that we're going to look through major chunks, not the whole thing, but, but a good portion of the Old Testament book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, some of you may have read Ecclesiastes before or may have uh, heard some things about it, but it's got a reputation of being a, like a downer of a book. Uh, like you read the book and people are like, man, I, I feel depressed. I feel like a bum, bummed out reading this book. But, but I, I shared last week that I think it's one of the most hope-filled books uh, in our scriptures uh, because what, what Solomon is doing, King Solomon who wrote this book, is he's reflecting upon his life, and he's, he's reflecting upon all of the things he experienced, and, and he was a, a, a guy who had a lot of experiences. He had a lot of, of stuff. He had a lot of wisdom. He's considered the wisest man in the, the scriptures, and he's reflecting upon his wisdom, and his, his last bit of advice that he's kind of sharing to his grandkids, kind of sitting on his lap kind of thing, if you kind of imagine it like that, his advice is this, everything in life is like chasing the wind. Everything in life is like that, that smoke or that wind in front of you that you see it, you feel it, but when you try and grab a hold of it and make sense of it, it just slips through your fingers. But his whole point is to show us that, that if we're only looking for meaning and purpose and fulfillment in the things of this world, then we're going to come up empty-handed. That at the end of the day, it's going to be, as he says, vanity of vanities. It's all going to be pointless. But his whole purpose is to get us to look to the one place, to the one person who can give us meaning, who can give us fulfillment, who can actually give us the things that we desire deep down. And that person is God, Jesus Christ himself. And today we look at, at one avenue of life that, that Solomon kind of looks at and kind of says like, hey, can we find meaning and purpose in this life through this way? And, and the meaning, the kind of avenue he's looking at in chapter 2 is the avenue of, of what I'll call materialism or like the, the pleasures of our lives in this world. Uh, when I use that word materialism, here's what I mean by it. I, I mean this, that, that Solomon is going to say, can we find meaning and fulfillment if we live our lives with this understanding, with this motivation, with this philosophy? If I just got more, and you fill in the blank with whatever the more is, if I just got more, fill in the blank, then I'll be okay. If I just got more, fill in the blank, then I'll be satisfied. If I just got more, whatever it is, then I'll have enough. And that is this, this mentality of materialism, where we look at the things of this world, which are good and amazing, but we live chasing more. We live chasing down just one more thing, trying to get to one more level, and once I get to that level, then it'll be okay. Uh, it's fitting. I came across uh, earlier this week um, the, the announcement that iPhone 14 is coming out. I don't know if you guys saw that or if you're into kind of the tech and phone world or if you're into Apple products, but iPhone 14 is coming out. Um, and, and I have an iPhone 12 right now, um, so really not 
all that long ago. Um, unfortunately, right now, I've got a nice crack on my screen, so whenever I'm like moving my finger along there, sometimes it, it kind of catches it, and sometimes it hurts a little bit. So, so I'm seeing this promo, this ad, this kind of three to four minute long kind of feature promotion of iPhone 14. And listen, I don't know if you know this, but the new iPhone, you're, you can be like a movie director with like the cameras that it got on, the, that got on there and the hardware that's in there. You can legit use it and you can make your own movie. So if you get all famous after writing a screenplay and filming a movie, you know, remember that your pastor is the one who recommended, hey, check out the iPhone 14, all right? But I saw that and my immediate reaction was like, man, that'd be pretty nice. I, I think I need that. I think I need that thing. Well, here I am sitting with, yeah, there's a crack on my screen, but like, it's a great phone still. And I really haven't had it all that long, but immediately there's something in me that's like, man, wouldn't it be nice to get that though and get that one bit more? And then I'll be, then I'll be set for, for a decade of phones, right? Until like iPhone 15 comes out and then it looks really, really cool and they add this new thing and it's like, well, I gotta have that now because I'm outdated. <laughs> and I use that kind of as a, a silly example, but, but think about the times in your life, and maybe for, for some of us, it's like right when we got out of high school, or, or, or we're entering the workforce, or we're in college, and you're thinking to yourself, like that first big paycheck, and, and big is a relative term when you're coming out of high school, right? But you're like, man, if I just got to this level, like if I saw on the paycheck, saw on my bank account that much coming in, you'd be like, I'd be living large. I'd be good to go. And then you hit that mark. How long until you start saying to yourself again, well, man, if I just got to this part now, <laughs> then I'd be good. And then all the things that you said to yourself two years ago, that you're like, once I get to this level, then I'm good, all of a sudden you start to take for granted. And all of a sudden you forget that two years ago you were saying, man, if I just got to this level, all my things would be solved and I'd be set. And now you've been there and you've gotten comfortable with it and, and now there's still more. That, that's that idea of, of living in this world, of having stuff, and if we're chasing after more, we think that we'll be satisfied. Solomon lives this way, and he, he kind of is like a, a, a test case for us. He's like, I'm going to live this way fully, and I'm going to put myself into all of the avenues of the, the stuff and the pleasures and the enjoyments of life, and I'm going to have it all, and I'm going to see if I can ever get to the bottom of living for more, of ever getting to that point where it's enough, where I'm okay, where I'm satisfied, where I've done enough, where I've gotten enough, where I've gotten the latest iPhone or whatever it is, and I can sit back and say, I've got enough. And he lives that way. And he writes about his experience. Ecclesiastes 2, he writes about it, and, and in some of those first verses from Ecclesiastes 2, he says that, that that's what he's going to do. He's like, I searched with my heart how to cheer my body with wine, and my heart still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly till I might see what was good for the children of man to do under heaven during the few days of their life. In other words, he's saying to himself, I'm going to look at all the things that people find enjoyment in in this world, and all the 
the stuff that people get and, and accumulate and buy and hold up as trophies and all the things they enjoy. And I'm going to do even the stuff that, that he's like idiots do. Even the things that people who aren't wise, the things that they're going to do, because I want to leave no stone left unturned. I want to look at every possible avenue and he continues on, and he talks about all the things that he does. He talks about the, the wine and the food that he brings into his life, and he enjoys it all. He talks about the building projects he does, because he did a lot of building projects. And he talks about all the work and the accomplishment that he does. He, he talks about his business and the growing number of employees and all the different things he has, and, and he's got all this esteem, all this honor. He gets all this stuff. In other words, he's building like heaven on earth, in his life. He's doing everything, and it goes as far as to say that whatever he saw and he wanted, he got. Imagine that you were in a position in life that you could do that, right? You just have the thought. You see a commercial. I want that. Well, I've got the money to get it, so here we go. That's a cool-looking island. Let me buy it, and let me live there for a few months. Imagine you could do that. That's what Solomon did. He could get everything. Everything he wanted, he got. Nothing was held back from him. And here's what he says at the end of, chapter, of this reading, chapters, verses 9 through 11. He says, I became great and surpassed all who were before me in Jerusalem. Also, my wisdom remained with me. So I'm still the smartest guy around, and I've got more honor and prestige than anybody else. And whatever my eyes desired, I didn't keep from them. I kept my heart from no pleasure, for my heart found pleasure in all my toil. And then I considered all that my hands had done and all the toil I had expended in doing it. So he's thinking about all the things he has, all the things he's gotten. And then he says this, And behold, all was vanity. All was pointless. All of it was meaningless, a striving after the wind, and there was nothing to be gained under the sun. He goes to the very bottom of living for the things of this world, of getting everything you could dream, and he gets to the other end, and he looks around, and he says, I still want more. He's got everything, and he still says, it's not enough. I'm not satisfied. And he kind of is like, this is pointless. It's, it's meaningless. It's vanity of vanities. Uh, there are a couple other guys who have shared similar sentiments in, in later years. Um, one of them uh, was a Danish philosopher in the 18th century uh, 19th century, uh, Soren Kierkegaard, he wrote this. He said, Riches and abundance come hypocritically clad in sheep's clothing, pretending to be security against anxieties, and they themselves become the object of anxiety. They secure a person against anxieties just about as well as the wolf that is put to tending the sheep. I love that imagery that he uses. He's like, listen, you think that getting more stuff is going to calm your heart and put you at ease and make you more peaceful, make you more content? And he's actually like, that's like having the wolf look after the sheep, which I don't know if you know this, doesn't normally work out well for the sheep. 
And he's like, if you think just getting more stuff will fix your heart, will make you whole, will make you content, he's like, it's not going to happen. Uh, one other, this is a little more recent, uh, Jim Carrey. You guys ever heard of him? All right. Some of you? Yeah, great, great actor. A couple years ago, he was at the Golden Globes, and he was up there with a microphone talking to a room full of actors and very famous people, people who have a lot of stuff and have accomplished a lot of things. And he said this as he was introducing the next kind of like uh, batch of, of potential award winners, uh, 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 movies or whatnot. He says this, uh, hey, hey, thank you. Uh, I am two, two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey. Uh, when I go to sleep at night, I'm not just any old guy going to sleep. I'm two-time Golden Globe winner Jim Carrey going to get some well-needed shut-eye. And when I dream, I don't dream any old dream. No, sir, I dream of being three-time Golden Globe winning actor Jim Carrey because then I would be enough. It would finally be true, and I can stop this terrible search for what I know ultimately won't fulfill me. I encourage you to look it up on YouTube um, because he, his delivery is way better than mine, as you'd imagine. But you just, it's interesting to see the people's faces as he's saying this to a room full of people who have so much and we're going after these things, and he's up there like, I've got the things. And he's saying the quiet part out loud. He's saying the thing that, say, that is warning them it's not enough. You think you coming up here and getting this statue and getting the acclimates is going to calm your heart, and he's looking at them and saying, it won't. And he's saying, I've been there, and I still want more. Here's what I would say. If Solomon, an ancient Near Eastern guy from thousands of years ago, Soren Kierkegaard, Danish philosopher living in the 1800s, and Jim Carrey the guy who was the mask, if all three of those people are coming to the same conclusion, I think they're on to something. I think they're on to something, and that something is this. No matter how much you get, if you're living your life saying, if I just get more of that or more of this, you'll never be satisfied. It's a chasing after the wind. You will be unhappy. You will be discontent. You'll be depressed. You think it will calm you, but it does the opposite. So then you hear all of this. It's like, great, Pastor Andy. I'm glad this is a real, like, uplifting time this morning at church. Thanks for bumming me out. Uh, what do we do then? What's the solution? Because, like, I don't know if you know this. We've got a lot of stuff. I've got a lot of stuff. You've got a lot of stuff. You may not feel like you do, but I can guarantee you, you do. So what do we do? How do we navigate this? How do we, how do we live forward and, and not just live our lives chasing after more and perpetually being discontent? And, and, and Solomon doesn't give the answer right here, but later on in the book, he gives the answer in this way, and he's like, here's the solution. Here's the antidote to the, 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 the lie of more. The antidote is this. Fear God, not your stuff. Fear God, not your stuff. Now, I get it. We hear that phrase, and for many modern people, we don't like that phrase. That brings up very negative connotations of fear God. Like, that, that doesn't sound nice. That doesn't sound good or helpful. Um, 
so later on, Jesus, in his own way, kind of expounds on it and, and rephrases the same thing, the same antidote, the same solution in his own Jesus-y way. And here's what Jesus said as he began his ministry as giving the antidote to the struggle for more and more of the things that will never satisfy. Here's what Jesus says. Jesus, as he began his ministry, said, the kingdom of God is here. You're looking at it. The king is here. Repent and believe the good news. Jesus says the antidote, the solution to our perpetual striving after more and more and the things that will never satisfy, his solution is this, to recognize that the king has come. The one who is above the sun, the creator, the maker who made you, who made our hearts, who who gave us the things in our world, he has shown up and he has sought you out and he says, I'm here, I have found you. Repent, or in other words, give up this way of living that only leads you to dissatisfaction and discontent and and leading you down a path that you know will never satisfy. Turn from there and receive my good news that I have come to to satisfy, that I have come to, to meet your deepest need, that I have come to bring you wholeness and peace and contentment because I'm the only one that can give it. The solution, the antidote is here looking at you. I have come to to give you all that you need. Stop looking to the things of this world to fill you when they can't. I have come. Trust in me. And that, that, according to Solomon, according to the scriptures, according to Jesus himself, is the antidote, is the solution to not look to the things of this world to bring us wholeness, satisfaction of chasing more, but to realize that the one who has all things has come to you and says, trust in me. Believe in me. Believe the good news that it's not up to what you do, but it's about what I've done for you. Receive me and you have enough. What I find fascinating is if you've grown up in church, I don't think anything I've shared with you is anything that's like new. But we need to hear this so, so often. I need to hear this so, so often. Because there's two typical responses that happen to Jesus in his ministry. One response happened in Matthew chapter 10 where he's proclaiming this good news that he is the king and he is the one who can satisfy, that he is the one that will calm our hearts and fix the things that are broken in us. That's what he's come to do and he's all we need. And he says that there's this rich man who came up to him and and he says to Jesus, hey Jesus, I know you're talking about the kingdom of God, but but I want to ask you like, what do I need to do to kind of be right with God, to be in God's kingdom? What's the thing I need to do? And Jesus in a In a conversation he has, and out of love for this man, Jesus looks at him and says, here's what you need to do. Sell all your stuff, because you got a lot of stuff, and follow me. And if you know the story, this man, who had a lot of stuff, who's talking to Jesus, turns and walks away 
sad. And it says, because he had a lot of stuff. And he was interested in Jesus. He liked Jesus. But he was more interested in keeping his stuff. He liked Jesus, but he liked his stuff a little bit more than Jesus. And he didn't want to let go. And so he walked away from Jesus. I think for us in in modern-day America, we really need to hear those words and and take them to heart of, do we love our stuff a little too much? Do I love my stuff a little too much? Do you love your stuff a little too much? But Jesus, later on in his ministry in Matthew 13, he gives an example through a story of of a response that he is inviting his people to do. He tells a story about a guy who's kind of hanging out in a field, as one does, and you're just digging in a random field. Don't ask me what he was doing digging in a random field, but Jesus told the story, so I'm not going to question him. He's digging in the field, and all of a sudden, in the middle of this field, in the middle of nowhere, there's this amazing treasure Like, imagine when you're a kid and you want to be a pirate and go look for for secret treasure all over the the world. Jesus is like, that's what happened to this guy. He's just looking and he comes across this treasure chest of amazing things. And Jesus says, you know what this guy did? He, He went, he emptied his bank account, he emptied his 401k, he sold his house, he got rid of everything, and he bought the field and says, I'm going to sell everything because all I need is that treasure. And he sold everything. And Jesus told this story for his followers and for you and me to realize that even though it may not look impressive, even though it may be hidden, you have in Jesus Christ and what he's done for you this treasure that is worth more than anything in this world. That that is worth more than anything you can possibly fathom. That, that you could add up all of the money you could ever make, all of the stuff you could ever own, all of the accol- accolades that you could ever get. You could put all of it together, and it won't measure up to him. And the invitation is this, that we would be willing to set everything to the side for that one treasure. And Jesus says, if you have me, you have all that you need. You have that wholeness. You have that contentment. You have that thing that you desperately want to calm your heart, to still your soul, and to give you peace. He says, if you have me, you have it. And I say all of this, and here's what I know about you, because I know it about me. I want that to be my life every single day. But it's not. I want that to be my heart every single day, but it's not. And I'm willing to bet for many of us here that's, that's true of you too. But here's the really good news, and here's what I love about Jesus and what draws me back to it all the time, what draws me back to him every single time, is this, that, that even though we struggle with this, you know what? Jesus knew you and I would struggle with this. He knows you. 
He knows you better than you know yourself. He knows that you're going to struggle with all the stuff you have and you're going to love it just a little bit too much. And guess what? Your place in his family, your love that he gives to you is not based on how well you live. It's not based on how much you love Jesus. His love for you is based on what he has already done for you. And Jesus has given everything for you. He has laid down his life on the cross and risen from the dead to remove every barrier to win you into his family. And that alone is what keeps you and brings you into his love. So even though we struggle, he doesn't. And he will be faithful even when I'm not. Even when you're not. So real quickly, as we as we close our time this morning, you may hear all of this and be, great, don't put my hope, don't try and chase more, 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 but find my hope, find my fulfillment in Jesus. Great, Pastor Andy, thank you. But then, so what should I do with my stuff then? Should I do what, like, that guy did and just buy a field? (laughs) Like, should I go and just, like, empty it out and just live in the desert? Um, If you feel called to do that, let's talk. Uh, You shouldn't make that decision just on a whim. But no, I'm not exactly saying just emptying everything out. But here's what I would say. I would say um, keeping Jesus at the center of our lives, seeking to live that way where our hope and our fulfillment is in him, not in our stuff. We as Christians view our stuff in two main ways. Two main ways. One, we enjoy it which may sound counterintuitive to everything I've just said, but here's the thing. We as Christians should enjoy the things of this world more than the people of this world do, more than people who aren't Christian. You want to know why? Because we can enjoy them for what they are. They are not our Savior. They are not the thing that, that completes us. They are good gifts of God. They are good gifts of God, and we can give thanks to him. So no matter how much we have or how little we have, we can enjoy it because we know who gives it to us. So we enjoy the things in this world. Enjoy the drink and the company and the the iPhones. Like, enjoy them, but don't make them something they were never meant to be, our God and Savior. So that's one. We enjoy it. But also, secondly, the way we view our stuff is we hold on to it loosely, This may or may not have unintentionally been inspired by the 38 special song from the 80s. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Hold on loosely. Look it up. You guys know it. It'll be running in your head. The musicians, you guys are with me. Hold on loosely to the stuff in this world. Because if we grab on too tightly to it, as they say in the song, they unknowingly may have perhaps come across some great wisdom, you're going to lose control. You think that you're going to get salvation from this thing by gripping onto the stuff of this world tightly, but you won't. And so we as Christians hold on to our stuff with loose hands, which means we are free to give it away. That we as Christians can say, you know what? I have this stuff, but I am free to give it to others who are in need. Because I know that this thing doesn't save me, and so I can give it away knowing that God is going to provide for what I need, and I can be generous in, in the, the, the way I treat my neighbor and my coworkers, and I can give to them in their need, and I can hold on to my stuff a little bit looser because I know it can't save me. And watch what God will do in your heart 
as you give those things to others. Uh, St. Augustine, uh, back in the, the fourth century, was a church father who had this quote, which I love and I hang on to and I give this to you as, as you take this into your life. But Augustine said this, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. And thee he's referring to is Christ. Our hearts are restless until they find their rest in Christ. May you, may you hear that, may you live that, and may you keep that at the center of your life as we live and seek to be faithful to all that he gives us. Amen.